0: Welcome back to another episode of the Russia Explained audio brief, based on the English language newsletter from Novaya Gazeta. I'm Eilish Hart. Every week we bring you everything you need to know about Russia, courtesy of a legacy independent newspaper. Here's this week's highlights. Moscow deploys more digital tools to discourage folks from breaking mass at-home self-isolation while Putin rolls out lackluster benefits for the country's rising number of unemployed. Russia's most repressive region strengthens the COVID-19 crackdown, leaving intimidated people to die at home. And the government isolates a massive provincial hospital dealing with its own outbreak of the novel coronavirus without warning the staff or patients. Want to get the full story? Visit our website, www.novyagazeta.ru, for full-length articles in Russian. As of April 14th, Russia's official coronavirus count has surpassed 21,000 patients. Thousands of new cases are being diagnosed each day, and at least 170 people have died of the disease. However, official data is still being questioned, as many believe the actual scale of the outbreak is much larger. Most of the cases are concentrated in the capital, and the Moscow mayor's office says that metropolitan hospitals are working at capacity. Soon, they may not be able to cope. Experts are warning that Russia has yet to reach the peak of its coronavirus epidemic, meaning the worst is yet to come. For residents of Moscow, leaving the house is now more complicated than ever. Beginning on April 13th, the authorities introduced a system of digital passes, which requires Moscovites to send an online request for a QR code in order to go to work or run errands. The police can ask you to present your digital code at any time, and a separate app has been launched to control the movement of COVID-19 patients. Given the onset of warmer spring weather and the approach of the Orthodox Easter holiday, these measures are clearly designed to discourage people from going outside. On April 2nd, President Vladimir Putin made his third address to the nation in recent weeks and announced that the nationwide week off would be extended until the end of the month. Once again, Putin did not introduce a state of emergency, but rather listed the government's latest measures to support individuals and businesses. The government has finally recognized that under the current conditions, it has extraordinary obligations that need to be fulfilled, says our politics editor Kirill Martinov. On the other hand, these measures are still insufficient in comparison with Europe or America's large-scale plans to save national economies. Martinov is not alone in thinking this. Economists estimate that millions of people in Russia could lose their jobs, which will only exacerbate the economic difficulties brought on by the instability of the ruble and falling global oil prices. And that's even if demand for Russian raw materials were to recover. Will the government, given the present capacity of the state apparatus, be able to launch an effective system for supporting its citizens and not just its own trustees and state companies, Martinov asks? Unfortunately, we will soon be testing this question the hard way, he concludes. Given the potential for an economic recession, Putin has rolled out a new unemployment plan. For the time being, he's offering anyone who's been unemployed since March 1st the maximum unemployment benefit for up to three months. However, this maximum is in line with minimum wage, which is currently equivalent to about $165 per month. Unemployed Moscovites are only slightly better off, with Mayor Sergei Sobyanin offering them around $265 per month in compensation. That said, many Russians will not qualify for these unemployment benefits. And so for many of them, the economic fallout from the pandemic is often scarier than the coronavirus itself. I want to go work at Komunarka, says Anastasia Kozitsina, a former lawyer and Moscow resident whose business recently went bankrupt. She doesn't believe in the coronavirus and therefore claims to have no reservations about going to work at Moscow's main coronavirus hospital, known as Komunarka. I don't have a medical education, but I don't care. I'll go to the hospital. We need money. We have nothing to eat, she says. In the current economic climate, many Russians are at risk of ending up like Anastasia Kozitsina. If self-isolation lasts for a year, over 15 million people in Russia could lose their jobs, warn experts from the Moscow-based Center for Macroeconomic Analysis and Short-Term Forecasting. According to our own research, there has already been an uptick in Russians looking for work via online job sites, and the president of the online portal Superjob, Alexei Zakharov, says that the unemployment situation could be even worse. If this horror lasts another month, we will have a minimum of 20 to 25 million unemployed people, Zakharov warns, According to the Federal State Statistics Service, Rostat, an estimated 74.5 million Russians were employed in February of this year. That's more than half the population. Superjobs forecasts predict that 33% of employed Russians will lose their jobs by the end of April, and that's not to mention the vast number of workers who aren't citizens. We are stopping construction, a sector in which millions of migrant workers were employed. They have no safety cushions and can't go back to their homelands. We already have a huge number of additional deaths from heart attacks because people are losing their jobs, they're losing money, they already have nothing to eat, Zakharov says. The Kremlin's decision to put the regional authorities in charge of quarantine measures has led to an inhumane crackdown in the country's most repressive region, Chechnya. And the Chechen leadership is less than thrilled with Novaya Gazeta's reporting on the subject. During a video address on April 13th, the head of the Chechen Republic, Ramzan Kadyrov, made a direct threat to our journalist, Elena Milashina. She was attacked in the region back in February. The threat came in response to her reporting on the severe lockdown measures in Chechnya, which have forced local residents to hide their illnesses for fear of retribution. As a result, they are dying in their own homes. Kadyrov called on Gazprom, the security services, and Putin to stop Novaya Gazeta's alleged anti-Chechen harassment. He then appealed to them to, quote, keep Chechens from turning into killers asking them not to force him to, quote, take a sin upon his soul for stopping the work of Novaya Gazeta. Kadyrov also refers to the February attack on Milashina specifically and refers to her saying the woman if she can be called a woman. We consider these statements a direct threat. In an alleged attempt to stop the spread of COVID-19, Kadyrov has introduced harsh measures, which he refers to as the Chinese model. He even told residents of the region to, quote, imagine that you are in prison but with comfortable conditions. Kadyrov has also compared coronavirus patients to terrorists and threatened them with beatings, imprisonment, and even death for falling ill. On April 7th, Ahmad Garayev passed away in the village of Novye Atagi in Chechnya. He was over 80 years old and a high-profile figure. He knew Ramzan Kadyrov's father, his predecessor, Ahmad Kadyrov, well. His funeral was held the next day and a huge number of people attended. Later that evening, nine of his relatives were diagnosed with COVID-19. Chechnya's parliamentary chairman, Magomed Daudov, later came out and claimed that Garayev had died in the hospital of natural causes. However, his relatives maintain that he fell ill after coming into contact with pilgrims returning from Saudi Arabia and died at home without ever visiting a hospital. This spurred rumors that Garayev died of COVID 19. We reached out to a number of other people who attended the funeral, who claimed that no one came to test them for the coronavirus, despite the fact that they had reported their situation to the authorities. Instead, these people were ordered to stay at home, and the authorities have deployed around 2,000 police officers to monitor self-isolated citizens. Chechnya has allegedly tested around 3,000 people so far, which is less than 1% of the region's population. It was estimated at 1.45 million people as of January 2020. In this sense, however, Chechnya is not so different from the rest of Russia's regions, where testing remains limited. Since April 6th, the Republican Clinical Hospital in Ufa, the capital of Russia's Republic of Bashkortostan has been under emergency quarantine due to an alarming outbreak of the coronavirus. According to unofficial reports, 600 patients and 400 doctors are on lockdown inside the building, and there are at least 170 people among them with symptoms of COVID-19. During a briefing on April 10th, however, the Minister of Health claimed that there were only 40 confirmed coronavirus cases in the republic. Doctors at the Republican Clinical Hospital came to work as per usual on the morning of April 6th, but near the end of the day shift, around 4pm, they discovered that the doors had been locked. All medical staff and patients inside the building were forced to stay there without any of their things, since no one had warned them about the emergency quarantine. News about the lockdown got out through a lawyer by the name of Timur Urazmiatov, whose mother runs the hospital's rheumatology department. The doctors are all afraid. They are scared, he says. Every one of them is being pressured, and they're not allowed to communicate with me. At first, they called me themselves, asking for legal help. The next day, I couldn't reach them because they had been intimidated. Now, the hospital's medical staff are essentially trapped inside and working constantly. What's more, many of them have complained that they are lacking proper personal protective equipment and are being forced to wear the same disposable plastic suits for several days without changing. According to the medical staff, the situation could have been avoided entirely if the hospital's management hadn't banned coronavirus testing back in March. As a result, many patients were misdiagnosed with community-acquired pneumonia and were subsequently discharged. Let's wrap things up with the top Novaya Gazeta stories that Russia has been reading this week. Our most read story was about a prison riot that broke out at a penitentiary in the Siberian city of Irkutsk. According to official reports, inmates attacked a staff member who was later hospitalized for his injuries. Based on our sources, however, the incident was far more complicated. Prison guards reportedly beat a notorious authority figure from the criminal underworld, to which 17 inmates responded by slashing their wrists. This allegedly escalated into a full-blown riot when guards responded with force. The inmates even set fire to the prison's woodshop. Our other non-coronavirus top story was about Russia mending fences with OPEC and reaching an agreement on reducing oil production. The Kremlin was caught off guard by Saudi Arabia's reaction to its decision to pull out of OPEC Plus in March and was unprepared for the dramatic collapse of global oil prices, economist Maxim Averbuch explains. Now, Russia has agreed to cut back oil production by about 20% in the first stage, which adds up to over 2 million barrels per day. For Russia, such a big reduction is fraught, unless, of course, we withstand it, Averbuch explains. We simply won't be able to restart a significant number of the sealed oil wells when such an opportunity arises. That's it for this week's Russia Explained audio brief. Thanks for listening. If you liked our brief, share, rate, and subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a comment and help us make the audio brief better. And to keep up with Novaya Gazeta's reporting, visit our website, www.novyagazeta.ru, and search Russia Explained. Until next time!